Hey, what's going on? Welcome to Angular Air. I'm your host, Justin Schwarzenberger, and today we have an episode on GraphQL. I'm pretty stoked about it. I really love GraphQL. I'm, I'm kind of a, a big fan of it, so this will be, should be pretty exciting. So let's get into it. Uh, say hi to our panelists. We've got Austin McDaniel with us. Austin, what's going on? How's it going, everybody? Checking in from nice, sunny Austin, Texas. Sure looks like a nice day there. That's pretty that's pretty cool. All right, Mike, what's going on, Mike? Not too much. I'm here in a uh, very air-conditioned Cleveland, Ohio. <laughs> Not as sunny as Austin, but I got some nice air conditioning, so it's all good. I'm a little concerned though. We've got the normal crew and no specific guests. So interested to see what we've got going on today. Oh, I know. We have a, a special guest. Uh, I don't know if this is a ghoulist guest, I, however we want to term it, right? But uh, Bonnie is our, our guest today. Bonnie, how's it going? It's great. I'm very excited. Actually, I'm normally excited because I just get to like sit and heckle people and ask questions, but this time I'm in the hot seat, so I'm a little nervous. It's kind of stressful being in the hot seat. But I'm not live coding, but I do have some really cool stuff to share with you guys. So, yeah. So uh, I'm I'm a little disappointed you're not live coding. Well, I know, but the thing is, okay, so there's a reason for that, right? And I think that um, if this is a great talk and people are, I mean, of course it'll be a great talk, right? (laughs) Uh, If it's a popular talk and people have a lot of questions and they want more advanced, then I don't think it would be too hard to get one of us to come back with a more advanced and actually dive into the code. But really, there's kind of, yeah, it's it's going to be cool because I have so much to share with you guys and uh, I'm actually, I have a lot to cover. Um, so there won't be live coding in this episode, but if we want to, we could easily circle back around with a with a second episode. Um, and, I, and I'm sure Justin would be fine with that because GraphQL is awesome. For sure. Uh, so, and I do have a ton to talk about and I know you guys also have some th- to throw in there. So you want to just jump right in and I'll share my screen? Yeah, let's do it. Wait, wait, wait. What is GraphQL? Well, can you see my screen? Oh, you made a deck? Hold on. Yeah, I don't, I have all these uh, bookmarks and hold on. How do I? Yeah, so I got this. I got this. Okay, so thin components with GraphQL. But now I can't see. see. I just messed it all up, guys. What did I do? Sorry. Bonnie, have you ever uh, used this thing called uh, PowerPoint before? You press the present <laughs> button. <laughs> I have because I put it on full screen and then I messed it all up. I'm very sorry. Let me try this one more time. And then this goes, this goes over here. This goes over here. I got this. I'm so sorry. Okay, so uh, I'm Bonnie. Can you guys see this? Yes. There's hope for us yet. Okay, so I'm Bonnie, I'm an Angular GDE software architect, founder of NG Houston and an Angular Air panelist. And I am on Twitter at BonnieBonster75. Let me just say that that picture is a really great picture of you. Aw, thank you very much, Austin. Do you have a photographer that you could recommend to us so that we could look pro like that too? I do. She's here in Houston. Her name is Kim Schaefer, and I actually hired her for Samantha's uh, senior portraits, and they turned out great. I love her, and uh, I don't know how to spell her last name, but hit up Sam, the littlest dev, on Twitter, 
and she would be more than happy to tell you because that lady was amazing and she made us she made us look great so yeah but anyway we have so much to talk about let's go but thank you very much i love that picture okay uh so we just scheduled this talk yesterday and luckily i already had these slides because i just talked about this at angular denver a few weeks ago so you'd think that this is all current and up to date right because it was just from a few weeks ago. no <laughs> It's already out of date, but this is because the Apollo team has been rocking and rolling so much this year that it's actually really hard to keep up. Now for me, this is awesome because I learned GraphQL and Apollo last year. And now every time I see new tooling and resources, I get super excited because they're just making it easier for us and less work. But I know this is still relatively new and I've personally met a lot of people who were interested in GraphQL, but they just haven't had a chance to dive in yet. So I don't want to get ahead of us. So what I want to do, if it's okay with you guys is, I'm going to start with the absolute basics real quick. I'm just going to walk through like the basic concepts. Um, I'm going to talk about from the very beginning and I'm going to spend a little bit of time on a few concepts that I struggled with when I first learned GraphQL. Um, but I want to go through all this pretty quickly and I want you guys to forgive me and stay with me because at the very end is the tooling tour and the tooling tour is cool because it's basically all the resources that I found recently that I'm really excited about. And some of these things, if I had had this when I first started learning this, it would have saved me so much grief. So I want to share some of that kind of stuff with you guys. Uh, so we're going to start at the very beginning and move kind of quick. And uh, y'all are welcome to interrupt me, of course. Okay, so why should we use GraphQL? I want to talk to you guys just real briefly about what problem GraphQL solves and why it was invented in the first place. So anyone who's been around a while will probably, you guys know what this is. It's a, uh, I don't know if it's a SQL. It's just, an, I just Googled like an old image of a, of a relational database, right? Um, if we use an example of maybe Netflix or Amazon related products, um, when you're going through uh, and trying to offer you, I mean, your users are clicking around all over the place and you have to stay ahead of them. And sometimes you have to go fetch new data depending upon where they're, um, navigating so the problem is that when you have nested objects or maybe this is related to this and then each one of the related items needs a thumbnail and all that you know it, it gets crazy uh and nested objects require multiple round trips back and forth to the uh to the api so we started it's out with it's interesting that you mentioned netflix here um, because Netflix actually, uh, I think it was prior to GraphQL, had a project called Falcor, which was yes. pretty similar to what they're trying, what GraphQL is actually. I remember the first time I heard about Falcor uh, at NGConf a couple years ago, and I was very excited. And I thought that, well, yeah, Netflix is like, you know, I'm a big fan. Um, so yeah, so uh, we started out, at least I started out with SQL, right? And we had SQL queries and then the REST API was a big leap forward for us. And so this, uh, if you're not familiar with GraphQL, this is kind of an evolution uh, of that. Like we went from SQL queries to REST API and then we go from REST API to GraphQL and it's kind of an, an evolution along that same line. So Basically, every time your user clicks, whether you've got a SQL server, cloud services, B2B, or whatever you have, wherever your data lives, right, you're making multiple round trips with lookup fields and, and all that to get the data maybe just for one view, which is not really efficient. Uh, so GraphQL is middleware. Uh, we're going we're gonna to look at, at this a little bit more in a minute. But for now, let's just say that GraphQL is middleware that streamlines the journey between your client and your database. 
Uh, it allows you to group and nest requests to and from your database. You can even pass in variables at multiple levels of the nesting. So it's, it's really uh, extremely versatile. Uh, it structures your data like a JSON object. So yeah, basically, so if you can write a JSON object, you can write GraphQL, which is, it's not quite that simple, but, but the, yeah. Uh, I'm in. Right? So, so, so the idea, as, as I'm understanding, is that you're able to compose the results from multiple calls into a single call. Yes. And you're going to, so your data will come back structured like a JSON object and you can nest it as much as you want. So yeah, and, and you can. Yeah, and this also removes the need for you having to beg your backend engineers to change code all the time. Hey, backend engineer, I need to add some rando, you know, field to my API. You don't have to do that anymore. Like you just ask for it in the, the GraphQL. Right. And when I was learning GraphQL, um, one of the things that were, I don't want to get ahead of myself, but I actually became a full stack engineer during this little adventure. I was quite excited. Don't get me started. Okay, so what yeah, is GraphQL? Real quick on that too. Um, I think that that's one of the big selling points of GraphQL is the fact that you kind of decouple your front end development from your back end development. Like if you take something like REST, right? And you say, okay, I'm gonna write these endpoints that have this data and you're gonna get to these resources. Now you write your front end to communicate with REST to get those resources. There's a lot of rigidity there in terms of the data model and the structure and, and those, those endpoints and things like that, that you're now tying your front end to the back end with. And like Austin mentioned, you need to change to some field or that API needs to change in some way. You kind of have to roll out changes for both your front end and your back end in order to tie that together. Whereas GraphQL provides this opportunity to flex your front end, your back end separate and not have to necessarily tie those in together with this you know, coupling. So I think that's really, really powerful. You guys really get me. See, this is why I love you guys so much because you understand why I get so excited. I nerd out about this stuff and I think I'm the nerd, but then I realize we're all nerds and I feel better. Uh, so yeah, so in the beginning, and maybe it's just me, I'm a dork, but when I first heard the name GraphQL, like I thought it was like a D3 type of thing because I was thinking graphs like charts and graphs. It's really not at all. So I think just even... Um, explaining it as an evolution of REST API would probably help a lot of people figure out like why would we use GraphQL? So we would use GraphQL to interact with our database um, in a more streamlined way than what we used to. Um, and to there was, there was, there, hold on, you said to interact with your database, it, but it doesn't necessarily need to be a database. It's some sort of backend layer, whether or not that's a separate API, a separate service, or um, a file system, or potentially, or obviously also a database, correct? Uh, yes, a data bucket. Wherever you keep your data, it could be a, yeah. I like that, data bucket. I, data bucket. It's adopted. It's a thing. <laughs> okay, let's keep moving. Or what? <laughs> yeah, because you, you could also layer this on top of your existing REST. So if you have REST services, you can you know put GraphQL in front of that and still consume those REST services from your GraphQL service. You can even use GraphQL with an access database. No, hold, you guys wait. Hold on, you're getting ahead of me. We're gonna get there. We're gonna get there. Okay, so uh, graphql.org, um, I would highly recommend this. I'm not gonna go into a whole lot of, uh, actually I was gonna click on that and go show it to you guys, but I'm gonna skip that because I have so much that I'm excited to tell you. 
Um, so I'm going to skip that. But I will say the graphql.org website is really nice and it's very simple. So go check it out if you're learning GraphQL. Uh, if you're not, you probably already know about it. Um, okay, so this would be kind of an example, a very simple example of a query. As you can see with GraphQL, you query only the fields that you need rather than pulling in the whole object. And this query is, I mean, like I said, it just looks like a, a JSON object, right? It's super simple, which is one of the things I love about GraphQL. Super, super simple. Uh, you, uh, you mentioned like only query the fields that you need. Um, maybe we can just highlight that just a little bit, right? Like your endpoint for this data can contain multiple fields, but now your front end has the ability to say, I only want the ID and the name from this particular endpoint, right? So now the endpoint doesn't have to change to morph that query that you need. You, you actually just request the, the smaller payload of what you specifically need for that UI implementation. Yeah, Bonnie, Bonnie, can you break down what this is? I'm GraphQL noob here, so. Yeah, tell us. I'm what sorry we're at, right? because I'm going too fast because I'm so excited because there's a lot to cover. Yeah, so with the REST API, once you you know if you say like get me um, all the messages in this channel, then you're going to get all of the fields. And with REST API, it doesn't allow you the option to just get the fields that you need. And so on desktop, we probably don't care, right? If you have a good uh, internet connection, but if you're on mobile or if you're you know if your users are are running around on on spotty Wi-Fi then you really don't want to send any more data than absolutely necessary. And so this will let you just specifically get what you need. And also when you go to the next slide and you can see that when you pull in, you, you feed in these variables and then you can actually nest those. So you can get all the messages in only this one channel, or you can get all the messages from one specific uh, author in that one channel. So you can actually pass variables in with your query and and, and you can pass variables in with the REST API as well, but it doesn't allow you to have this nested uh, objects coming back. So this is wonderful. So and one of the, hold on, in that syntax that we're looking at where it says query channel detail query, is channel detail query a name of the query, which would indicate to me that that's something that would be shareable um, in different parts of my application, correct? Yes, this is what it would look like. Um, the channel detail query is a query that I defined. So I can define as many queries as I want to. Uh, and some of these, like I sometimes don't have to define super specific queries because sometimes I can put like in this one, the ID, you see the exclamation mark at the end of the top line that indicates the ID is required. But if, I, if, if it wasn't required, I could actually get all the channels or pass in that ID and get only the channel that I want. So, so it's, it's really very versatile. So I can define uh, all of these that I want to, but some of them, I like. I don't have to define as many queries because I can pass in variables at multiple levels. Does that make sense? Yeah. I have to say though, I don't really like the the bang at the end, the exclamation mark to mark it as uh, uh, required. But on a different note, it doesn't um, like you either, Austin. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I'm kidding. I'm sorry. <laughs> guys. Um, Another cool thing, you know, as we're talking about nested data and we're talking about being able to selectively query, like when you like have errors in REST APIs, right? Like it just like throws up like fun five, 500 exception, right? Like here's a stack. In GraphQL, like if there were a error in a nested object, it would return you the top level stuff still and then return you details about the error in that nested object. And it's also configurable so that you can just have it like omit that or and things like that. So there's some 
you know, glazing over this, like bringing back nested data is really cool, but there's also some really interesting like things um, that you get as a result of doing those type of operations as well. Absolutely. Okay, so. One more thing. Okay. Uh, so if I'm looking at this and I'm, I'm looking at like the term GraphQL, I mean, would the graph part of that kind of be referring to the object graph? And that's what we're kind of deciding on here, like the object graph structure that we want for our data and the QL being the query language of how we would query that particular thing. Well, when you yeah. say it like that, Justin, it sounds very simple. <laughs> but yeah, I was really is, confused about that. <laughs> that is right. And and you know what, though? A lot of people misunderstand GraphQL with like graph data structures. Uh, not even like, and, and some people even misunderstand it, like Bonnie was talking about with like data viz. Uh, GraphQL has nothing to do about the way that you store your data. Uh, or the way that like, it, you know, if, if it's in a graph database or, you know, if it's, you know, certain ways, it, it's really talking about the graph object structure there. All right, so uh, let's move on. Uh, let's talk about Apollo because Apollo is uh, is pretty exciting. And, and so this is where it gets a little bit, well, it's not tricky, right? Apollo is the Angular client um, it's very simple, but I got a little bit confused when I first, and this is where I kind of want to talk about a, a few of the things that, I, that were a little bit tricky for me. Um, let me let me correct you real. It, Apollo is just a general like uh, GraphQL like organization, and they have a GraphQL client. Um, yes. They also have React clients and like vanilla JavaScript clients and things like that. Keeping me honest. <laughs> yeah, that's what I said. That's yeah, close. Yeah, that's what I that's what I meant to say. Okay, so where I got a little bit confused in here, um, let's talk about state management for a minute because uh, so Apollo is is great um, and it was super simple. I was able to when I first started messing around with it, I was able to get it up and running pretty quickly. Um, but then I realized uh, I, I kind of got I it wasn't a problem. Yeah. Okay. So I'm gonna keep I'm gonna explain this to you. Um, so have you guys heard of RxJS? Wait. Did you say stake management or state management? You know management? what? You and your state. <laughs> you, yeah. Uh, you've been hanging out with Ken Wheeler too much. Okay. Uh, so anyone heard of RxJS? Um, yes. I have. Yes. No. And I'm sure you've heard of NGRx. Maybe you've heard of NGXS. Uh, so there's all this, this these things. So when I was learning last year, I learned RxJS, NGRx, and GraphQL in that order which actually turned out to be perfect, but I spent a little bit of time confused. Um, I was confused because the RxJS and the NGRx, and there's all these Rx letters that I just totally threw me for a loop. Um, but really, like how they fit together was confusing for me. And they've been around for a while now, so hopefully this is not as confusing. Um, but I want to walk you through this just a little bit because I did eventually understand how it fits together specifically with GraphQL and Apollo, and hopefully I can save you some pain. So uh, someone very important in my journey was Uri Goldstein. We call him NG Jesus, and he's amazing. Uh, and he drove me crazy a little bit because he told me that I was confused and I didn't want to hear it. But he helped me a lot, and he actually really helped me understand some of these things. So um, what I learned was, well, let's just let's start from the beginning. Because when I did the first GraphQL um, implementation personally, I had just implemented 
NGRX state management in the app that I was working on. And then when I implemented NGRX state management, um, another developer had already implemented uh, Apollo and GraphQL. So the problem that I ran into in the very beginning was that I had two stores for my um, two Redux stores, right? And the and the store is supposed to be a single source of truth. So you can imagine my frustration when I had two single sources of truth because that doesn't work, right? Uh, so I went be, to Uri. That would be dual source of truth, <laughs> right? That did yeah. That's not ideal. So I went to Uri and I was like, Uri, how can I? combine these tools or combine these two stores because I want to have a single source of truth. And Ori started asking me questions about what I was doing, um, what I was using NGRX for. I was using NGRX because it was cool and I just learned it and I wanted to use it. Um, and he started saying, you might That's not That's a very bad idea. That's a very bad idea to just use something because it's cool. Like, let's make sure to tell our readers that. Well, okay, yeah, but every, all the cool kids were using it. Well, I at least wanted to use it so that I understood it. And I wrote all this code and it, it took me, it was, it's, I mean, it's not simple, right? It's a little bit advanced, at least it was for me. So I got all my NGRX working. I was very excited. I was quite proud of myself. And then Uri came in and said, hey, you know, Apollo will actually handle your state management for you. So you might not need NGRX. And I uh, got a little, didn't get an attitude. I mean, you can't get an attitude with Uri because he's such a nice person, but I was like, hey, like I worked really hard on that NGRX. I was quite excited about that. And now he comes along and says, you don't need that. And I was like, well, okay. So, but the thing is, so what he asked me was, let me see your actions, right? So my actions were like low data, low data success, low data error. And this is the type of thing where Uri explained to me that because your state management is not terribly complicated, um, Apollo will handle this for you. And he said, now, if you want to keep your NGRX, that's fine. You can have it if you want it. You just don't need it, right? So, so what I discovered was, and and I said, but but Uri, like I have these observables that tell me when the data has come from the from the backend, and then the observable needs to tell me in my state, like when to move on to the next step. And he said, uh, Apollo will handle that for you. Apollo will do all of that for you. Apollo will handle your caching, your um, state management. There is. I'm just going to pull this over for a minute. And then and then he popped champagne and glitter flew in the air. <laughs> you're, you're so funny, Austin. Okay, so they actually have a page on the Apollo, uh, it's ApolloGraphQL.com docs that talks specifically about local state management, Apollo link state. Um, this is really cool, and I'm not going to go into a ton because we have so much to cover today, but I just want to show that to you. I'm going to drag it back out. Uh-oh. That didn't go well. What am I, what am I doing here? Now I... See, I, I because I made it full screen, and I just lost my. Where did it go? I'm so sorry, you guys. While you're, while you're working on that, uh, you know, like you were talking about, Apollo uh, has Angular bindings. Um, it also has like backend uh, for your Express servers and things like that. And their documentation is really great. Like. I mean, it covers like everything that you might want to get into, uh, like all the nuances, like how to, you know, handle, you know, whether you're like linking up to like a SQL database or you're, you know, transforming like an existing like REST API. All that info is in there. So do not uh, underestimate the, the value of what their docs are providing. 
Okay. This is hard. I'm not used to being the presenter. I'm used to just sitting back and making all these snide comments. Now I have to actually make sure I'm sharing the right screen. This is work. I'm not used to this. I got you this got though. It. You got it. Okay. Thank you for uh, covering for me there, Austin. Okay, let's move on. <laughs> GraphQL vocab words. And again, I'm gonna move through this kind of quickly because I just wanna touch on the basics. Um, a query is uh, request data, right? It's read only. Um, bonus here, Apollo also gives us a watch query method, which is great for anyone using observables. Uh, so if you're using observables, this is the one you want. Apollo query fires once, watch query will fetch your data and then listen for updates and acts just like uh, an observable, which you probably already know. So then is, uh, that like, is that like the Firebase concept where if the data changes over on the server, then it, it'll push to our client? In that watch yes. Room. Now I had some trouble here, right? And I don't know if I have a slide for this, but I had a little bit of trouble here because, uh, and this was actually one of, can I stop sharing for a minute? I'm trying to move through this quickly, but I want to, this is kind of an important point here. So I'm going to stop sharing. Did that work? Okay. So here's a thing that uh, I was a little bit confused about, and I don't know if I have a slide for it, but when I first started using RxJS and observables, I was using Firebase because Firebase has this, it's, it's so easy, right? Because they'll just push these updates anytime new data changes, then Firebase will just let you know. And all you have to do is link into that and they wrote all the methods. And so when I barely understood RxJS, Firebase made me feel super smart because it was super easy. Um, the problem that I ran into when I learned RxJS and I was all excited about this. So I went to my project manager and said, hey, let's move all our data to Firebase so that I can use observables. And he was like, no, because we have to pay every month. That's really expensive. And I was like, but I don't, I don't know how else to do it. <laughs> so if you know, right, and if, you're, if you've been a backend developer and you know about Socket.io or PubSub or anything like that, you can do this on your own. But if you've been a front-end developer and you don't know those crazy things, then like, how do I get this cool observable action out of, uh, out of like an old SQL database. Like it doesn't push updates like Firebase does. So this is something that I struggled with a little bit. Um, so, and I made that for a very good, I made that point for a good reason. And Austin, what were you saying about, uh, we're just saying, I'm gonna, I'm gonna go turn back on my screen share. It won't let me screen share again. There's a one screen share limit, I think. No, I don't know. <laughs> Ah. I keep, uh, why won't it let me share my screen? Is a window hidden maybe where you select what window you want to target or something? I don't know. I'm remote debugging. It it's never, that never works. Screen share. Why won't it? Well, if I do the screen share, then it pops up. I'm so sorry, Justin. That's all right. I, I'm sure you'll figure it out. Oh, here we go. Share your screen. Yeah. I think it doesn't like me because, aha. Okay, we got this. Because I had it in full screen. I should never, ever do that. 
And I keep wanting to share my Slack. I'm sure there's something scandalous on there. That's not the right. Ah! One more time. I'm not going to take this off again because it's a... Uh... Okay. Okay. We're good. Okay. So we talked about query. We talked about mutation. Um, and mutation is super simple as far as I'm concerned because it's just writing data, right? This is the same uh, when we're using our CRUD operations. Um, so if you know CRUD, this is this is going to be super easy for you. What's um, CRUD? <laughs> create, read. <laughs> You're such a nut. Update and delete. I got the end of that. Yeah, yeah, but yeah, I have okay. a question. I have a question about the watch queries. So subscriptions. It's their subscriptions, right? In GraphQL land, that's. What can I, can I ask my question? No. <laughs> if your GraphQL uh, layer is actually talking to some sort of like remote services and not necessarily a database, um, it's not actually able to um, emit an observable change if something changed on that service unless it was polling or if you required to use the mutations. Yeah, you have to use mutations for that. Okay. So it's yeah, take advantage yeah. of GraphQL's watch where you need to be using the mutation so that it's aware of those changes flowing through. Sub subscription, but yeah. Subscription. <laughs> well, that's the next. That's my next slide, and I'm sorry because my I changed my font, and now it's like, look at that, so unprofessional. I don't know how y'all put up with me. I'm really sorry about that. Kerning. Anyway, the subscription is the is the way to to get that cool art. This is why I did this uh, this little detour, right? Talking about how to get that RxJS observables out of the database, because this was the answer. And I didn't figure this out in the beginning. So I was struggling with that. But subscription basically is the layer that would handle, everybody asks me when, when I, I've taught GraphQL to about a half a dozen developers and they always ask me, so this is like PubSub? Yes, yes, this is like PubSub, except they did it for you. So you don't have to write that code. So, uh, this brings me to the most exciting part, you guys, because this is the tooling tour. So I have a few things that I want to share with you guys uh, that I think you're going to love. And then you know be just, on that. You know, it just popped in my head like Bonnie on a boat, like giving us a tour on that duck boat, maybe giving us a tour with a fun hat, and her, her mic. Are you making fun of me, Austin? No, no, no. no. I'm, I'm yeah, like the Jungle Cruise. That'd be awesome. Yeah. Be a good so up ahead on your left are the gorillas. You'd be a good guide. Yeah, it'd be great. Because <laughs> we're having so much fun. Yes, exactly. Okay, so here are a few GraphQL resources that I found that made my life easier that I think you guys will like. Uh, first and foremost, and most of these came from Uri. So Uri, if you see this, you're you're wonderful and uh, and I appreciate you. Uh, so Uri told me to start with this because this was when I was kind of struggling with implementing it alongside uh, NGRX. I wanted to use the NGRX state management um, and I did, but I needed to basically move that stuff to the back end. And so this full stack, it says React plus GraphQL. Well, this is Angular error. So I don't know why React is in there, but I went through this, uh, this tutorial and I just changed all the React to Angular on the fly, and I did not know React, and I really didn't have too much of a problem with this. So I have faith in you, I believe in you, you can go follow this full stack tutorial, even if you're not an, a React developer, even if you're an Angular developer or Vue or whatever, take the React stuff and put it into your own words, uh, and I think you're gonna be successful. I really, 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 really recommend this because this is how I 
wrapped my head around all of the different moving pieces. Um, conceptually, GraphQL is very easy as far as I'm concerned. The concepts are easy, but the getting the actual code working for the first time when you're learning it was a little bit tricky for me. But the, really, I I think I I budgeted several days to do this, and it didn't take me nearly as long as I thought it would. So it's it's actually really great. I would highly recommend it. Um, oh, also, what I found with this was that all that awesome NGRX stuff that I had been learning, uh, and I used like advanced RxJS and NGRX, I was very proud of my new skills. Then the same stuff when, when Uri said, you don't need your NGRX. And I was like, but I'm so proud. Well, it turns out that all those reducers um, that I had written, it's exactly the same. It just moved to the server. And we're going to talk about that in a minute. Okay, so we're gonna let's. I said we're gonna talk about it in a minute. <laughs> I didn't know it was the very next slide. So I'm gonna take a quick detour because I learned something along the way. Uh, I don't know if you guys know Lucas Rubelke. Uh, I did a talk with him in London shortly after I learned GraphQL, and uh, so this was right after Uri helped me understand Apollo. Then I went to speak at Angular Connect with Lucas, and I didn't know him very well, but he turned out to be really awesome, and I'm glad that he that I had the opportunity to work with him. And he is the first one who made me understand this thin client concept, which is super simple, actually, but I just hadn't thought about it before, right? Um, but basically, what he said was, what you want your thin client, when you're dealing with mobile devices, which more and more we are, right? Um, you want to keep as much of your logic and your database interactions on the server as you can because you have less data going across the Wi-Fi and you also have a smaller client bundle. So really, we want that front end to be as thin and streamlined as possible. And GraphQL really helps us because it pulls all of the, um, basically a lot of your data services, right, uh, would, would happen on the, on, the, on the server and it gives you a lot more control over your back end, or your, even if you have like a separate backend team, which has happened a couple times on different projects that I've worked on, you might have a backend team, someone else is doing that. You don't have as much control as you like, and this gives you a lot more control while keeping your client thin. And I think to circle back around on one of your earlier points where you talked about the ability to take uh, GraphQL and read different data sources into one payload that you send over the wire, right? From maybe a REST endpoint and directly to the database and aggregate that data together. This kind of example of that where you could say, look, on the client, if I made those two calls, I'd have to stitch that data back together and do some way to get it ready for the UI, right, to, it, it, to work with that. And whereas this, you know, that could be done on the GraphQL side so that you just result in the data that you're going to display in your UI at that point. Right. And this actually was another thing where I got frustrated because I was like, well, this doesn't make any sense because Uri was telling me that. Um, and, and actually, if we go back, so we're on slide 23, but if we go all the way back to this one, this slide. I was like, well, so he said, you know, you can have all this streamlined over here. You write your queries and your mutations here, and then you do all your database interactions behind that middle layer. And I was like, well, Uri, if I still, if I'm still going to use all of those SQL queries that I already have written, or if I'm still using, if I'm, if I'm making my GraphQL server to interact with all the existing REST API, why do I need that middle? Like, why do I need another layer if I'm still using all of those? I was like, what is the point of that, right? Which is where we go back to the thin client. Well, the point of that is, number one, if it's all on the server, it's synchronous. It's happening much, much, much faster. And on number two, you have all that complexity 
hidden and it's not included in your bundle size. So that's it, it now it seems so simple, but this is something that I kind of struggled with understanding why, like, why do I need GraphQL if I'm still having all these, you know, all of the, the, the old stuff? Well, that's because it's hidden. And then this side over here on the left going off to your client is very thin and streamlined. So, so once you understand all that, it's beautiful. And you can have multiple of those, right? It makes it easier to consume that data from different places because now you have a lot of your business logic sitting on the server already done for you. And now you can slap different clients on there, you know, um, to present that data and deal with it. Right? Yeah, super fun. Okay, so we talked about the thin client and we talked about uh, why you might wanna have all of this database interactions on the server. Um, so you have le net less network traffic, smaller client bundle. And now back to the tooling tour because there's so much and exciting on the stuff. right, we have the lions. <laughs> oh my goodness, y'all crack me up. Okay, so this is something that I found um, and actually, and I was gonna talk, uh, Justin, we were, we were doing like a TIL episode a couple weeks ago and this is what I was gonna talk about. I was really excited about it, but I threw out my back. Uh, so I didn't get a chance to. This Prisma thing, basically I, my explanation is it's like the CLI for SQL. Um, you you define your, I know, Austin made a face at me, you guys. Um, <laughs> I'm the queen of bad analogies. You, you define your schema and then you run Prisma Deploy on the command line and it just auto-generates all this amazing stuff for you. It's great. If you're using SQL, you have to check this out because you're going to love it, I promise you, or your money back. Um, I think it's also available for Postgres, and I don't think it's available yet for um, some of the other databases, but they are continuing. This is like a brand new thing, and I'm really excited about it. So keep an eye on Prisma, um, because I think that's going to, I think it's cool, and I think it's going to get cooler. Uh, so, and this is the thing. Uh, so this wasn't around last year, right? And I found it just a few weeks ago, and I was super, super, super excited. Uh, GraphQL boilerplates. And I got the wrong screenshot because if you flip back to, you know what, actually I'm going to, I, this messes up every time I do it, but I'm going to try it again. And I'm really sorry. Uh, let me slide this over here. And I want you guys to see uh, GitHub GraphQL boilerplates. And can you guys see this? If we just look at this one here, right? Uh, these are the the different boilerplates that you can choose from. There's the TypeScript GraphQL, Node GraphQL. Um, there's Vue. There's React. Uh, this one is my personal favorite for obvious reasons. And not only do you have this boilerplate, but you have um, pretty. So I think uh, where was it? Boilerplates. I love boilerplates. Oh, the, yeah, but this one's outdated. See how fast it goes? So there's React. Oh, that's right. Because see, I just stepped in it. I was going to, um, I was actually thinking about doing uh, an updated Angular full stack GraphQL. So this one, it looks like is slightly outdated, which means um, somebody needs to go in there and update it because I think this is genius, right? Uh, so if we, if that is, I'm sorry, I didn't know it was outdated. Um, we do have the TypeScript GraphQL server, which I like a lot. 
And so if you did, if you know Angular and you wanted to take the Angular full stack and update it, um, I think you absolutely should do that. And, and I'm going to speak for all of us here at Angular Air when I say if you try to do this and you get stuck, reach out to us because we love GraphQL and we will totally nerd out with you. At least I will, probably Justin will, um, because we really like talking about GraphQL. And, and I'll give you Bonnie's personal phone number. You know what, the, Austin? For the small price of $49.99. Can you <laughs> mute him, Mike? Bonnie, uh, you okay. feel free to mute him if you'd like to. I'll, I'll, right? This okay. Uh, oh, hold on. Uh, so when you were showing those boilerplates, those are basically full stack examples of using GraphQL with an Angular front end. Yeah, I actually did this a couple of weeks ago. I just found it, right? And what I did was I cloned, I went to the uh, TypeScript one and I cloned it. And then I did NPM install and NPM start and it worked just like that. The only thing I had a little bit of a problem with authentication but in the application that I was doing, it was just a demo, so I didn't need authentication. So rather than trying to fix it, I just disabled it. Um, but I mean, it was it was a very small turnaround time for this. And, and this is what, yeah, see, there wasn't, I was thinking that there was a lot of documentation here, but there, I didn't really need a lot of documentation. I just downloaded it and installed, oh, here, 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 here. I could have, I, I was like, I knew there was more. No, there wasn't. Sorry. So you guys, this is this is like they are developing this stuff so quickly that uh, it's moving and shaking. But it's you got to be it's a bleeding edge. Got to be patient with them. Um, but I I used the uh, I used this one, the TypeScript GraphQL server. And then once I had my server, I I just made another. I I don't know if you are familiar with the Angular CLI, um, but I just made another folder and I made it a CLI uh, project and I just put them side by side and it worked. And it was it was beautiful. It was beautiful. Another one of the really cool things about GraphQL is it gives you typing uh, with your APIs. It's consistent with your front end and back end, no matter what back end you're using. Uh, you'll probably see a lot of the like uh, examples here using Node, but I mean you can use Java, you can use Python for your back end, and you know you're probably not using Apollo for the middleware, but there's other tools out there. And the types are all the same. Another good thing about this is, well, you're probably like, well, I already have TypeScript, right? Like I already have types in my app. Now I'm gonna be adding this like crazy new thing that also has types like WTF do I do? And there <laughs> is actually like generators. So Apollo has a uh, code generator that will turn Apollo types or GraphQL types into TypeScript types for you. And it's really easy to hook up. All you got to do is, you know, run a command and uh, it will like automatically, you know, just gin up the TypeScript types for you and you can start using them in your app like you wrote the types yourself. Although sometimes the type names are a little uh, awkward, but uh, you get all the advantages of TypeScript as well. I, I love that he said, WTF do I do? <laughs> I missed you, Austin. We've been missing each other. We're like ships passing in the night because I missed an episode and then you missed an episode, but you crack me up, man. Uh, I wanted to also show, I, this is not the right one. Is it? When, I don't know which file, and I know we're running out of time. Um, it's this one, the index.ts. When you actually do your GraphQL server, um, 
it's not a it's not a lot of code at all. So that's the thing. If you're a, if you're a front end developer and you're going, oh, I have to make a server. I'm not really comfortable with that. Neither was I. And I was pleasantly surprised at how simple it was. And then I was very excited. I ran immediately to update my resume with full stack developer. And I was very proud of myself. Um, so yeah, so the point was check out the GraphQL boilerplates. Uh, and then also this is brand new. This is, well, it's not brand new. It's from last week. So it's totally old news now, but this guy, Camille, I have not met him yet, but I've been following him on Twitter and I'm a big fan. Uh, and so he just, released this article last week. Um, uh, there's a code generator, right? I love the code generator. So I want you guys to check that out. Um, and again, we're running out of time, so I'm not gonna spend too much time on this, but I wanna show you this because I want you to go read it. And then also, um, do you guys want me to click on any of these links? Apollo Boost is awesome. Uh, and then there's the link state, links and caches tokens. This I love. Actually, I have to click on this. Um, this is a stack blitz. That's a simple Apollo Angular example. And like I said, for at least in my experience, <coughs> the concepts of GraphQL was a little was pretty simple for me once I got my head wrapped around it. But when I'm learning something new, the actual syntax is what trips me up, right? So this is a working example, very, very, very simple, so that you can go and see what that. Uh, what that query looks like in in the real world and i really liked it there's your types there's your upvote component so this was a simple thing and it works and it's easy and i loved it what about uh graphical uh for the oh my goodness i didn't even get on graphical i did not even see justin it's a good thing you're here <laughs> yeah good thing right <laughs> somebody needs to host this shit. You keep us on, on track. Uh, GraphQL Playground is a really cool tool. That's an Electron app. I know this Graph IQ thing, but uh, GraphQL Playground is uh, really cool. You can hook it up. It's an Electron app. You kind of just like download it and uh, like you can start interacting with your backend and kind of explore it. Kind of similar to this, but I think the GraphQL Playground is a little prettier. It is. I would agree, but um, because this is like the original one, right? I don't think, is there uh, is there a live demo for the GraphQL Playground? Uh, there's, uh, I don't know. I've actually got it running on my box. I can share if you'd like. But the graphical had that comes with the server, right? I think so like, you don't have to install anything additional. You you get that out of the box kind of deal. Did I freeze or did you guys freeze? This one doesn't come with the server. This is a add-on. It's actually a React so, component. It's actually a React component you just drop in, but you can like host it individually. But at least there's different options for tooling. Whether yeah, or not the audio froze for a minute. An electron-based. Uh, solution. There's different I, or tooling out there for you to be able to query your GraphQL without necessarily writing full stack code. Yeah, and uh, VS Code actually has a really good extension for it that allows you to like run your. Uh, In the, uh, where was it? Yeah, uh, it's by Apollo. Um, 
the uh, VS Code extension. And it allows you to like run your queries in line as well. Justin, we should really have a conversation about what's available from the different modern IDEs uh, and editors uh, available for web developers today. No one wants to hear about WebStorm, Justin. No, I'm, I'm waiting for that episode. We need to do that episode. I'm waiting on the guest to, to sign up to do that. that yeah. I, I, you guys are funny. I'll be, I'll be absent that day. <laughs> Just kidding. Uh, Justin, will you take off my screen share? Uh, so, and I love the, and I can't believe that I didn't have a slide for the graphical because I love the graphical, uh, which basically will allow you to ping your uh, database and and see exactly what it would come back. And I also like the fact that graphical is, is built in uh, so you get that interface with like two lines of code on your server. And I'm really sorry that I didn't. I'm glad you caught me on that, Justin, because I because I was really excited about that. I can't believe I didn't say it. Yeah, it's nice because it allows you to kind of debug and test your your endpoint and and uh, and then it auto completes and things like that to show you what basically again like what um, Austin brought up in terms of the strong typing that you've got uh, with that um, the, that endpoint data right and those the object graph models uh, now you can get all this additional advantage like the tooling around it can auto complete and show you things that are available there in terms of properties and things like that. Um, you get you know the strong typing in your your code editing as you're doing that to understand what those fields are supposed to be and stuff like that. So yeah, pretty cool. It's good because when I I remember when I was uh, first starting out as a developer and I was trying to ping the database and see exactly what I was going to get back and I would always like console log the object when I got back to see what it would look like so I can write it into my uh, components and graphical just makes it easier. Yeah, I would always like to write SQL queries in my JavaScript code in my website. So that was awesome. Right? Don't do that, anyone. <laughs> I was just kidding. <laughs> okay, so they do have. Uh, I think that we need to get the Apollo team. We, I'm. I. I was bugging them today, this morning, because I was trying to get one of them to come on and hang out with us and talk today. But it was super short notice. So I'm going to continue bugging them and try to get one of them to come on because there's more advanced, like I wanted to start from the very beginning for the people that didn't already know GraphQL, but there's so much more to talk about and it's really cool. And I feel like there's not a ton of adoption out there because maybe the word is still getting out. I've, I've, I'm still running across a lot of people out in the, uh, in the wild that haven't had a chance to, like they know about GraphQL, but they just haven't, they're interested. It just, it takes time to, to, to figure it out from the people that I've seen. Um, but I also see from how many people are tweeting about it that uh, there's a lot, there are a lot of people using it. I think there are a lot of people in the Angular community that that need, that that haven't had a chance yet, right? So go check it out and uh, and there's a lot more to talk about. And that's it for me. I could keep on talking, but we're running out of time. You know, I think another advantage for it that I see that I like about it is that with that middleware that you have in between your back end and your front end, you have this ability now to swap out things and, and send back sample data and things like that. So, you know, one of the things we run into as developers doing front end work a lot is like we rely upon these back end services. And for some reason that the network is down or, you know, those services are being updated, the environment that we target and they break. And now we can't get our front end development done because we're kind of stuck with that 
broken piece that we're relying on, right? I mean, we can, with this middle layer of GraphQL, we can swap out providers for that different data sources and, and provide sample data so that we can continue to work in this development environment to craft our front end pieces with getting sample data back. And, and it's, it's not necessarily trivial, but it's, it's a lot, it provides that gateway ability to do that, that you kind of don't have if you're hitting like three or four different endpoints directly, right? I agree. Okay. Um, all right. Well, then, uh, should we do some picks? Do we have picks? Yeah. I have one. All right, go for it. Uh, so uh, my pick is, uh, it's actually from a tweet yesterday from Pascal. Uh, and I have it somewhere. Where did our, I don't know what's going on with all of my uh, windows, because I'm not used to presenting and I'm stressed out. Uh, okay, so Pascal's Productivity Manifesto. Uh, I found this yesterday. Um, you can find it at Pascal Prep, P-R-E-C-H-T uh, GitHub.io. It's Productivity Manifesto that he just published yesterday, and it's very simple, but it's just something that I think we all need to remember. Uh, I'm a big fan of Pascal, so that's my pick. I think I, I, think I need to write a manifesto. <laughs> you are a manifesto, Austin. Isn't NGXS your manifesto? A manifesto on life. <laughs> yeah, write, so it, I've got a, write it about that, that barbecue that you got down there in the place that you live. Yeah, I could do that. So I have a pick. Uh, Babel 7.0 launched like yesterday. Um, and one of the really cool things that's exciting about it is that it kind of has first class support for TypeScript now. So if you're, you know, using Babel uh, and you know on on something, and uh, you know you want to add types, uh, but you got some Babel thingies that you like, <laughs> um, it supports TypeScript now. So that's that's pretty huge in terms for adoption uh, in the TypeScript community, and us just continuing to see that uh, grow and, and and TypeScript becoming more popular. So that's it. And Austin, why is that interesting? That's that's interesting, right? Because isn't Babel or Babel, however you pronounce it, right? Isn't that a, like a preprocessor as well? Not a yeah. preprocessor, a transpiler, right? Yeah. So you know, Babel. Uh, I call it Babel. I don't know how you say it, but it is a preprocessor, and we can. It doesn't predate TypeScript. TypeScript's been around for quite a while. I think it's like 2011, actually. Fun fact. Um, but uh, Babel, before even TypeScript was taking off, Babel uh, was really picking up steam. And a lot of people were using it with their Angular 1 apps and things like that. And, uh, you know, it's got. Uh, it's, it takes a, kind of a different approach than TypeScript does. Uh, and it kind of lets you, you know, experiment a little more, which can be a little more dangerous. Uh, so you kind of got to be careful there. Um, but uh, the fact that it like has now like a plugin that allows you to do TypeScript first class is really huge. Um, they've always had one for Flow, which is uh, Facebook's version of TypeScript. Um, but I've personally never found flow to be that, uh, fantastic. So yeah, that's it. <laughs> cool. 
Mike, Mike, he's the one that asked me. Mike, he's Mike's the... calling time limit on our pick here, our pick discussion. Yeah, a a pick. Give, a, give an idea, present something, and then move on. Let people dive he's in. The, he's the, he's the one I'm going to summarize. I'm going to give you the TLDR, okay? Babel version 7's out. It supports. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know why I get such a kick out of it when you two fight, but it's just so yeah. funny to me. It's all—it's all, it's all good. It's all good. But all right, Mike, I do also want just the TLDR of your um, manifesto. I don't want the whole thing. Mike, just the TLDR Mike, of your we, manifesto. I think we got to go, Mike. So we'll talk to you later. <laughs> you were going to be my pick. All right, Mike. What's your pick? What's your pick? I've got two. Um, I don't know if it's Cano or Kano. Um, released something called the Harry Potter coding kit. Um, oh my goodness. Yes. So I'm looking at that uh, for my kids as an idea of introduction to code that has a physical aspect to it to be able to code different things uh, as well as a hardware aspect to be able to build the wand itself. It looks really cool. Go check it out. It's uh, K-A-N-O and then Harry Potter wand. Um, I'll search for it. I started seeing stuff about it earlier this week. Uh, the other pick is actually a book that I've been um, reading slash listening to. Uh, Ernest Klein I wrote... I was going to be your pick. No, I lied. Um, <laughs> Ernest Klein wrote Ready Player One, which is huge, and a lot of people are aware of that. But he also has another book called Armada that I'm about three-quarters of the way through, and it's been really good. I've really enjoyed listening to that so far. Hey, can I have one more pick really fast? Speaking yeah, but I want to talk about Mike's pick for like seven minutes. So yeah, no, go ahead. <laughs> Uh, because because you said book and you said Kano, which reminded me of Corey and you guys, Corey Ryland, who I love, just wrote a book on web components and I just purchased the advanced copy and I'm really excited about that. So uh, Corey Ryland, web components. You're excited too? No, I'm sorry. Austin put a message and I was... Oh, yeah. No, but I'm excited too. I'm excited about Corey's book. <laughs> um, sorry, Corey. I am. It, it's it's hard to manage all these people in the podcast. It's like <laughs> know, wrangling it's really sheep. Hard. Justin, do you like have any picks? No, I don't have any picks. So, sorry. Uh, okay, one more. I have one more pick, and then we have to stop. I know we have to stop. I'm sorry. Uh, Camille? Yeah, but this, okay, but this guy that's uh, doing a bunch of Apollo work, I want you guys to follow him on Twitter if you like Apollo. If you like this topic in general, follow Camille. Uh, K-I-S-I-E-L-A on Twitter uh, because he's doing cool stuff and you can follow him and find all the latest updates about Apollo. I'm done. Sorry. Awesome. Awesome. All right. Bonnie, thank you for being our guest today. Really appreciate it. You taking the time. Thank you. Yeah, it was awesome. All right. We will see you around the corner on the next one. Later. <laughs>